Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. That's good stuff, y'all. Good, good stuff. Um, If you're glad you came to church so far, say amen. I'm very thankful, and I I love all the, the teenagers and kids who are Uh, We're sitting on the steps. They're like packed in like sardines. If anyone wanted to know what it looked like when the youth went on that ramp conference, take a picture of those, what do you call those, stairs. (laughs) Crowded like that, that's exactly what it looked like all over the place. So praise the Lord. Hopefully you have your sermon notes, and I do this because God's going to give you a word today. I really believe that. And I want you to be able to take notes and take it home. And the only people who take notes are serious Christians. Everybody else doesn't take notes. So uh, I'm excited to share with you about just what the title is today, is how to activate your God-given ministry. But I want you to understand something. It is very important. It is very, very important that you listen today with the right set of ears, with the right set of eyes, with the right heart. So, So listen to this. God wants you to activate his ministry that he has for you that you're you weren't you're not an accident you're not just a second thought you're not just something you know some of you are trying to figure out who you are why you're here what you're supposed to be doing and I want you to listen today because because of the resurrection and because of God's love for us and because he is a giver he created you and gave you purpose he gave you meaning and the problem is some of you haven't found it yet And so I want to talk to you today on Resurrection Sunday, talk to you about activating your God-given ministry. Not your neighbors, not your cousin, not Pookie and them, but you. You. Because your family, this world, your co-workers, your boss, your employees, the people you go to school with, the people sitting around you, your pastor, your mama, are waiting for you to activate your God-given ministry. Because when you activate your God-given ministry, things will begin to change. And one of two things is going to happen. In ignorance or passivity, you will allow the enemy to activate a false ministry in your life that destroys people, confuses you, and confuses other people, and only leads to regret. Or... Or you will press in, seek God, and find out what do I need to do to activate the ministry that God has for me. And I'm not saying that we're going to activate it and you're going to start preaching next week. There's a process of maturity and development, but you need to get started. Matter of fact, nudge your neighbor and say, you better get started. Yeah. And... And it's important for you to get started in this. You've got to get started. You've got to quit wasting time. Matter of fact, let's just look at, 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 at uh, 365 days. So between last Easter and this Easter, have you gotten started in your God-given ministry? Or are you still playing around? got to evaluate your life because what happens on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly scale 
And if you don't take note of that, and if you don't take responsibility year to year, what's going to happen is down the road, you're going to, 40 years is going to go by. 50 years is going to go by. And you're going to be like, how? I haven't done nothing. I'm still messing with and playing with the stuff that, that had me way back there. So I want you to listen today from a perspective of your God-given ministry. And we do a thing here to activate your ministry called Discovery. It's not just joining the church. It's, it's, a, it's a great place for you to find out, is this the church family for you? And some of you, one of the best things you could do to begin to activate your ministry, besides taking good notes today and applying it, is get signed up for Discovery. So next Sunday morning, next Sunday morning, right after church, we're going to have a, a time here for, we won't keep you long at all, a time here for people who want to find out more about getting into discovery. Discovery is, is not just something where you learn about the church. You will learn about the church. But discovery is the, strat, the God-given strategy that God has given us to awaken and equip people to find their purpose. It doesn't answer everything, but it'll get you started, I promise you. I've seen it happen time and time again. And, the, and so Discovery, is a, it's, it's four nights, four different nights, four different weeks. You come, we, we focus on a different thing each, each night. And what happens is the first night is at Sarah and, 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 and our house. And I'm going to tell you, Sarah, she's a great hostess. If she's not there, y'all going to hate it. Because whatever is in there, I'm just going to throw stuff out and be like, you heat it up. You know, you, you but if Sarah's there, she's going to take care of you. And, and so the, we love having people to our house. So the first night of discovery, you get to come creep at the pastor's house. But don't get crazy. We got some dogs that will tear you up if you, get, if you get crazy. Okay? And then there's other nights that, that you go and, and you can walk through this. And so if you're interested in, in taking that step, because going through discovery doesn't mean you're committing to be a part and a member of this church. You have the option to be like, no thanks, I'm out. But it's a great place for you to take a step and take some responsibility to get started. So next Sunday morning, right after church, you come. You can go to the Church Center app. Many of you know what that is. Uh, and you can register there. Uh, go online. Fill out one of those connection cards. That'll help get into the process. Uh, call the church office if you got questions. I'm telling you, it could be a strategic step so that this new year following Easter following Resurrection Sunday will not be like the wasteful year that you just came out of. Praise the Lord. Okay, if you're ready to get in the Word, say, I'm ready. All right, open your Bible to Luke chapter 4, or actually Luke chapter 3. It's going to take me a second to get there, but Luke chapter 3. Thank you, JP. I appreciate that. Music makes everything sound better. And if you pull out your sermon notes real quick, I just want to uh, hit a few things, um, and I really think it'll, it'll help me communicate the heart of what I want to share with you today as I've prayed into what, what the Lord has. So the, the title is How to Activate Your God-Given Ministry. And so the three things before we jump into the Word that I want you to see is you got to take responsibility for these three things. God has given you three things and you have to take responsibility for your God-given. And the first one is identity. If you look at your notes, the first one is identity. God has given you in Christ Jesus a new identity. That those who, who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and who are born again, surrender their life to Christ, He gives you a new identity. He gives you a new authority. 
that identity will release an authority. And then he gives you that destiny, but the destiny has two parts to it. The first part of your God-given destiny is ministry. That means you're, you're serving the Lord in ministry. You have an earthly ministry. It's a temporary ministry. Just like a soldier uh, is, is overseas on assignment, on a tour of duty. When you are born again, you not only have an identity that's given by God, but He gives you an authority. Um, and then He also gives you a destiny. Your destiny has changed. And the thing we're going to focus on today is, is your ministry. And I thank God for eternity. Your destiny has two parts, ministry and eternity. And I was talking, uh, Eric Ziegler brought up something the other day as we we're talking about eternity. He's like, you know, I think people just don't remember this. I think they forget that, that etern- you're going to spend somewhere for all eternity. You're either going to be in heaven with God or you're going to be in hell without him. And for those who think like I used to think, hell's going to be a party. Woo! I just don't even know how to, how to articulate how ignorant that is. That's not what hell's going to be like. Because it's never, a, it's, never it, it's not going to be that way. It's going to be a place of torment. Because you're without God and God loves you. And, he, and hell wasn't created for you. Hell was created for demons. It wasn't created for you. God created heaven for you. God, God loves you so much he came and, and gave his son that you could come be with him. And so that's, that's this thing about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's not about coming to church. It's not about Pastor John. It's about Jesus. And it's walking in that reality and walking in the reality with him. And so, so you, may have a, you may have, when you're born again, eternity is your home. Jesus will bring you to heaven. But before or until that day happens, it's our job as believers in Christ to walk in our God-given ministry and bring heaven to earth. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to be walking in and, and, and doing. And watch this. Hey, 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 hey. Hang on. Uno momento. Are we going to pay attention? Huh? If we're going to pay attention, shake your head yes. Good job. All right. Do I need to check over here just in case? Don't start none. There won't be none. That's all I got to say. All right. Praise the Lord. If you love your children, say amen. Amen. So let's look in Luke chapter 3. We're going to read for a minute Luke chapter 3, starting at verse 21. When you got it, say got it. Luke 3, 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Now, Jesus himself began his ministry at 30 years of age. And then you see all the genealogies. Just look at all those genealogies. Going from Joseph and and, and talking about Mary's dad and going all the way down, verse 38, to Adam. Look at all those genealogies. And here's what I want you to see, because a lot of people say, "Why why is that there? That's boring. It didn't make any sense. The genealogies are powerful because what God is saying is is 
is this is when Jesus began his ministry, but I love how these genealogies are there because what God is saying is before Jesus could begin his ministry at the time of his water baptism, because listen to me, your water baptism is the beginning of your ministry. And I'm going to show you that today. But before this could happen in Jesus, God is now saying, look at all the different things, all the way from Adam. I was working in this person. This person believed me. This person responded in faith. This person said, yes, I worked in this person's life. All the people that God worked with all through the years, all the faith that came before your faith, all the trials and the tests that were passed, the battles uh, of darkness that were won through victory and faith, all this stuff that happened it just so that you could begin your ministry and the people who are baptized today and some of you are sitting here and God has been at work for generations God has been at work for generations all with this purpose of seeing your ministry activated and you've brought hell to earth probably anybody done that but now it's time for you to start to bring heaven to earth Because God wants to activate your ministry. And then I think about this with genealogies, and I'll go on. Is Think about all, see, your your faith doesn't end with you. Your yes doesn't end with you. Your faith will outlive your life. Your ministry will outlive your life. So God used all these people just so I could begin my ministry, and now I become one of many so that the next person can begin their ministry. The kingdom of God is waiting on you. The kingdom of God is waiting on you. And then let's look in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Let's just read through that because this is all the the same time frame. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, notice he's, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit, key phrase, led by the Spirit, into the wilderness and being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when he ended, he was hungry. I'd say so. I go 40 minutes without eating something. And I'm crying out like I'm about to die. Verse 3, and the devil said to him, if, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil took him up on a high mountain uh, uh, and showed him all the kingdoms of this world, which, by the way, the United States is one of them, and in in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority, everybody say authority, I will give you, and all this authority I will give you and their glory. Not just the authority, but the glory connected to that authority. For this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. So who gave it to Satan? Adam. God didn't give it to Satan. God gave the world and dominion and authority to Adam. Adam sinned and fell, and he gave it to Satan. And so Satan then could say, I'll give it to whoever I want to. God didn't give, God, God is not the cause of all the bad things happening in this world. God is not, don't blame God for what the devil did. Don't. So God did not give um, uh, Satan this authority. God gave the, uh, the world an authority to man, and man turned around and gave it to Satan. And Jesus came to take it back. And those who are in Jesus now have authority. 
Those who are not in Jesus don't. Verse 7. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all this will be yours, or all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. For it is, and I think that's how he said it. (laughs) For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he brought him out uh, to Jerusalem, uh, to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands, uh, in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, or it is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, the, when the devil had ended every uh, temptation, he departed from him until a more opportune time. And this next little section, I just want to skip down. Jesus goes to his hometown. Look down at verse 18, because this is all in one section. He then goes to his hometown, stands up in a synagogue, and this is what he says in verse 18. And I'll unpack this stuff next week. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me too. And we'll finish that next week. So this whole thing is one snapshot. This whole thing is one time frame that I'm going to squeeze some stuff out of this of his ministry and what happened when he began his ministry so you can understand what needs to happen when you begin your ministry. So look back on your notes uh, underneath the word identity. So the identity, the word identity speaks to who I am in Christ. Not who you are in, in this group or who you are in society or who you are with that group of friends, but your greatest and biggest biggest identity is eternal. We all have temporary identities. The way we dress, who we hang out with, what we drive, where we go. We have temporary identities. But the greatest, strongest, eternal identity is who I am in Christ. And that identity should drive everything in our life. It's a gift from God. It's an identity. It's not a reward that we earn after we do something well. Identity is a gift before the thing ever gets started. And so we have this gift of this identity, who I am in Christ. And there's four foundations to activating your ministry, and they all have to do with your identity. And the first one is you being spirit-born. That means salvation. That means you are born again. See, Jesus didn't need to be born again. He didn't need to be born again. And I want to unpack these in the life of Jesus, but first let me just give you the blanks. So spirit born, it means I am a new person. That's salvation. I am a new person. I'm not becoming a new person. I am a new person. Spirit raised is water baptism. It's water baptism. It is is the prophetic, supernatural um, dimension of being raised. Matter of fact, one of the greatest things you can give your family before you leave this world is a testimony of your faith in Christ and water baptism. Because when I come to preach your funeral and I know you've been baptized because of your faith in Christ, I'm like, they were risen here and they're risen there. It's a powerful thing. So spirit raises, I have a new purpose. I have a whole new purpose. Water baptism is a doorway to purpose. Not you coming up with a hobby. 
but Jesus living his life through you and giving you an eternal purpose. Spirit-filled, Jesus was standing in the water praying, and Spirit-filled, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And that, that means I can release new power. So I, ha- I am a new person. I have new purpose. And now through the Holy Spirit coming upon me, I can actually release through my life a new power that I couldn't release before. And the last one is being spirit-led. We see Jesus was spirit-led, which means I will passionately pursue Christ. I have this pursuit. And teenagers, you'll remember down at the ramp, one of the key things they talked about was pursuit. What are you pursuing? Who are you pursuing? What's the pursuit of your life? And so all of these things were happening in this time frame of Scripture in the life of Jesus that we just read. Jesus didn't need to be born again. He was born right the first time. He was born from above. The Holy Spirit was already in him. You and I, we were born spiritually dead uh, because of the sin of Adam. So even Jesus said, we must be born again. So here's my question to you. Have you been born again? If you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you only die once. There's the first birth and the second birth. There's the first death. Physical and the second death, spiritual. That brings separation from God. So if you're only born once, you're going to die twice, physically and spiritually. But if you're born twice, born physically, and then born again through faith in Jesus Christ, which means born of the Spirit, then being born again, now you have one death, a physical death, and then you're going to go be with Jesus. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. And so my question is, have you been born again? No, no, I ain't, no I'm, I'm working on my life. I'm getting things changed. Well, you can't get there from here. You can't do that. It's impossible. I mean, E for effort, but you, ain't, you know, uh, it ain't going to work. You can't, you're not good enough. So what Christ does, see, Christ was born of the Spirit, and we need to be born of the Spirit. Because being born of the Spirit is that identity. I'll never forget. Jeff, Jeff knows. I, I'm, I'm so thankful Jeff and Lori been here in God in this new season. is just having them hang out with us and be here and excited all that God's doing. But Jeff and I have a pastor, Don Young. And, and I was in Don Young's office, goodness, over 20 years ago. And he asked me this question. He said, are you born again? And I remember just thinking, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, well, do you believe in Jesus? And we went through this little conversation, and he he quoted me a scripture, read to me a scripture that says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, those two things, you believe and confess that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. And he asked me, do you believe Jesus is Lord? And I was like, yeah. Do you believe God raised him from the dead? Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of other questions about the Bible, but I believe those two things. So he led me, and I was born again. And when you're born again, what happens is Jesus Christ himself comes and breathes his spirit into your spirit, and you now have a new identity. And then you can say, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a new person. Still looks like me, smells like me, and sometimes acts like the old me, but it's not the old me. Because the old me was crucified with Christ, was buried with Christ, and now Christ is is living his life in me. See, and and then you go to water baptism, being spirit raised. Water baptism doesn't save you. Calling on the name of the Lord is what saves you. 
But water baptism is where you separate your new life from your old life by making a public decision to say, to tell everybody, I'm with Jesus, I'm, I identify with him, and you are literally drawing a line in the sand like this is my old life, this is my new life, and you are burying that old life, which, which deals with authority and purpose. And you're saying, I'm living to follow Jesus now. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. And, and look at it this way. Let me come down here. Look at it this way. So this is like a Red Sea. This is like a Red Sea. And when, you, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, there's, there's a Red Sea. And God split the sea this way. God split the sea this way. And the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea. And then when Pharaoh, which represents Satan, and all his taskmasters and slave drivers, which represent uh, demonic entities, they came trying to chase them through the waters. The waters closed back in on them and they drowned. That's a prophetic spiritual picture of what it means to walk through water baptism. I'm a child of God who walks through the Red Sea and God parted the Red Sea so I could walk through it and I could go on to my promised land because my promised land is my purpose land. Where I'm going to walk in the ministry that God has for me. But see, the power of purpose connected to water baptism in context of beginning your ministry is when you stumble and fumble and think, you know what, I want to go back. God ain't parting the water this way. God ain't parting it this way. It's not going to happen. I can't go back. Why? Because I made a faith decision in agreement with God that that is my past, this is my future. That is who I was, this is who I am. That is what I did, this is what I do. And I'm going to follow Jesus. And if I stumble and fumble, I can get back up. But I ain't going back. I ain't going back. Why? Because I have a new identity. I'm a new person. And I have a new purpose. I have a new purpose. Some of y'all been playing. Some of y'all been playing. Yeah, I got saved. I'm saved, whatever. And you might genuinely saved. You might not be. I don't know. That's another, we'll have that conversation later. But some of you have been playing with your purpose. You've been piddling with it. And you know you're called to be baptized. And you say Jesus is your Lord. You say Jesus is your Lord. But you've been living for yourself. And you need to walk through these waters of baptism and be, be transformed. And that last one about being spirit-led is this, is this passionate pursuit. See, Jesus was born of the Spirit. He was, he was baptized uh, in water. And then as he was standing in the Jordan River, after his water baptism, after being spirit-raised, he was praying. And as he was praying, the Holy Spirit came on him and, and gave him power which is a whole other foundational dimension to, to accomplish your ministry. That you need to be born again. You need to be baptized in water. You need to be filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, when you're, and then that gives you power, and that's being spirit-filled, but then you need to be spirit-led. So all that whole little bottom half of that page, you need to ask yourself this question. Has that happened for me? Have I experienced this? Is this a part of my life? And, it's, and if not, you don't have a complete foundation for ministry. So you need to ask yourself these questions. And then if you flip over on the backside, you see authority. And authority is what I have in Christ. 
Authority is what I have in Christ. See, identity is who I am in Christ. Authority is what I have in Christ. you got to know what you have. Because if you don't know what you have, you'll ask God to give you what you already got, but you don't know you got it, so you ask Him to give it to you. So you need a revelation in how do I appropriate the authority He's already given me. How do I activate the authority He's already given me? Instead of sitting back, being whooped by the enemy, being whooped by sin and feelings and emotions and all this kind of stuff, I need to walk in my God-given authority because my my God-given identity activates my God-given authority. And so there's three ways to activate and circle these two words, identity-driven, circle those two words. Three ways to activate identity-driven authority. Because your God-given authority is identity-driven. It's not performance-driven. Your authority is not based on how well you do this or how well you do that. Your authority is based on your God-given identity. And your identity is not based on your works. Your identity is not based on your performance. Your identity is based on the gift that God gave you and if you received it. And so your identity drives your God-given authority. That's why the enemy's eating your lunch. You think, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't do this or I didn't do that, so that's why, that's why I deserve this. Or No, you never deserve what the enemy tries to give you. You never deserve sin. You never deserve sickness. You never deserve that attack. You stand up and you fight. And Jesus being tempted by the enemy, and the enemy comes to him and says, if you're the Son of God, what is he questioning? He's questioning the God-given identity of the Son of God. If you're the Son of God, prove it. That's the temptation. And that's the temptation with your ministry. You're born of the Spirit, raised by the Spirit through water baptism, filled with the Holy Spirit, His power you know, in your life. And then you begin to be led by the Holy Spirit. And as you're being led by the Holy Spirit, He'll lead you to face the tempter. But you ain't got to be scared. You ain't got to be scared. Because He's given you a new identity. He's given you a new authority. And so Jesus is questioned by Satan. And the question is, the question is basically, did God really say? Because right before this, we read God's, God, God's word was, you are my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. What he's saying there is, I love you. You're the one I love. And I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with who you are. This is who you are. And God's voice came out of heaven and said that. And when God's voice came out of heaven and said that, notice what happens next. The enemy comes to question what God said. You can question what does it mean when God says something. You can have questions about God, but don't question God. And so the enemy is attacking the very revelation and word that God just spoke. So the enemy is usurping and undermining the authority of Jesus to confuse Jesus' identity. And these three things is what Jesus answered. And I just paraphrased them. The first one is, I will live by the word of God. So how are you going to have an identity-driven authority? How are you going to activate your authority? You have to be a disciple of Christ that stands up and says, I will live by the word of God. 
You have to be a disciple of Christ that says, I will worship and serve God only. So instead of going to that website, instead of going to those other things that you do, instead of bowing your life in worship to false idols and false gods, instead of bowing to money or bowing to pride or bowing to success or bowing to whatever idol we bow to, no, because listen, you can gain the whole world and lose your own soul. That's what the enemy tried to do to Jesus. But Jesus stood up in his identity and took authority and showed us how to activate our ministry. And what he was doing is he was saying that I will live by God's word. I'm going to live by God's word. God's word will be the authority of my life. Let me ask you this question. What is the authority in your life? Is it scripture? Is it society? God forbid, is it government? What is the authority of your life? The opinion of your friends? What's the authority of your life? If it's not Scripture, you're in trouble. I will live by the Word of God. And I know it's Easter and everybody wants me to be quiet so we can go to lunch. But I'm telling you, I feel a burden of the Lord to sow a seed into you. I'm not angry, I'm passionate to sow a seed into you so that this year won't look like last year. So that your ministry will be activated. And I think all heaven is looking over the balcony to see what you're going to do with God's word. Will you be a person following the ministry of Jesus when you're being tempted by the enemy? Questioning who you are to stand up and say, I will live by the word of God. To say, I will worship and serve God alone. Not even first, alone. And then that last one is, I will trust God. Meaning, I'm not, when I don't know what's happening, when I don't understand what God is doing, I'm not going to second guess. I'm not going to begin to undermine God. I'm not going to you know, begin to test God and try God. There's only one place in Scripture where God says, test me now in this, and that's with tithing. No other place does He invite you to test Him. But when things don't go the way we want, we test God. We get critical. We start thinking like we're somebody, as if God answers to us. And the greatest temptation that the enemy can bring into your life to trip you up and deceive you, the greatest temptation that you could fall for is to stop trusting God. You stop trusting God. And how do you know you, you stop trusting God? You're no longer trusting His Word. You're believing somebody else. And the last one, ministry, is what can Christ do through me? And worship team, you can come back up. What can Christ do through me? That's ministry. That's what can Christ do through me? And this is where Jesus, these three priorities, and most of y'all know this, this should, be, this should be easy to remember. We teach this here a lot. It's an authority-driven ministry because God's given you authority. You have an identity-driven authority, but an authority-driven ministry. And your ministry, everyone in this room has three ministries. Your first ministry is your ministry to the Lord. Your second ministry is your ministry to the Lord's people. Your first ministry is your ministry to the Lord, that you literally minister to Him. You bless Him. You honor Him. That's why you have to get comfortable with blessing God and singing. Some of you come in here and you've been raised in churches where standing like this is all you know to do. And you're sitting here just looking and thinking whatever. Now, if you're sitting here thinking God is good and I'm so thankful, and in your heart you're ministering to the Lord, praise the Lord. 
You just need to tell your body what you're doing. But some of you in here are distracted and you're looking around as if you're at a concert listening to some cool Christian music. You've totally misunderstood what we're doing. We are blessing the king. We are honoring the king. We are ministering to his heart. My voice may not minister to you, but I promise you it ministers to him. And I begin to minister to him. That's our first ministry. We have this ministry to him. And that ministry comes out of authority. I am authorized. Listen to me. I am authorized to bless the Lord. I'm authorized. My praise from right here, sitting right over there by that chair, my praise may, may you know, irritate everybody around me. Thinking John's praising again. Good Lord. But I'm going to tell you what it does. It pierces through everything between here and the throne of heaven. And it ministers to the Lord. And that's why I bless His name. Then we minister to one another. Some of you have so much unforgiveness in your heart towards people. And the Lord wants to break that thing in you. So that He can minister to you and minister through you. And the last one is to minister to the lost. You know that the Lord wants to use your life to reach people who are far from God? And so I want you to take these notes home and I want you to pray over them. And I want you to think about them. And I want you to, to just really say, okay, Lord, help me. Because you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. You have to decide, are you, I mean, you got to know this, are you born again? If, if you were to die right now, if you were to die right now, do you know, do you know that you would go to heaven? Have you been born again? And then there's some of you who you have been born again, but you've never been baptized in water. Because you've never, you've never understood the purpose of it and the significance of it. Maybe you were sprinkled. Nowhere, sprinkling is a tradition of man. It is nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere. People who mean well, we're trying to do good things, but you need to be buried. You need to be buried and raised. And then some of you, You've not opened to, to, to heed the, the, the call of Jesus where he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. For you to say, Lord, I need your power in my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Some of you don't even know what that means, but you can trust Jesus. And then some of you, all those things have happened in your life. And again, it's not just about a moment. The moment creates a movement. Every one of those moments, being born again, creates a movement. Being baptized in water creates a movement. Being baptized with the Holy Spirit creates movement. And being led by the Holy Spirit creates all kind of movement in your life. But some of you are being led by other spirits. Being led by other things. And on this Easter Sunday, I just want to get real. Because you've already had, uh, I don't know, nine or ten, whatever it was, people who've come and got real with you. So now it's time for you to get real. For you to be transparent. I'm talking to teenagers, and I'm talking to kids, and I'm talking to everybody. It's time for you to get real. If you're in this room, 
you're in this room and you don't know that you've been born again, you don't have a confidence. Like you come ask me, are you born again? You going to heaven? I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's no question about it. So if there's somebody in this room that you don't know if you've been born again, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be bold. I want you to be courageous. I want you to move past your fears. Stop worrying about what everybody else thinks because I can tell you what they're going to think. Heaven, yeah. If you're here and you've never been born again, but you know you need to stop running from God and you need to start running with God and you're willing to make that decision to give your life to Jesus. What I want you to do, even if it's awkward for a minute, what I want you to do is I want you to just take a breath and stand up and come meet me right here. I know it's awkward. I know it's hard. But if that's you, I want you to come. I, 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 could, I could do this invitation in a different way to make it easier for you, but I'm not. If it's you, come meet me right here. You're here this morning. And you're kind of freaking out that I'm putting you on the spot. Like, are you waiting for a text message? I don't know what you're waiting for. You know, you know. So quit playing. Quit being fearful. And what's important about that is if you break the fear in this room, you can break it in any room you walk into. Maybe it'll help you to do a count. You know how you count your children? I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. If you need to give your life to the Lord, come. Matt. What's that? Yeah. So you're, you're, and so here, you don't need to be born. Listen to me. You don't, I'm taking authority over you. Listen to me. I know you. We've had many conversations. You know the Lord. The enemy is lying to you. And what needs to happen is you need to start taking authority from the word of God over the enemy. That's what needs to happen. And we're going to, you stay right there. You stay right there because we're going to deal with that. But I'm telling you, if you're here and you don't know if you go to heaven, like you, you don't know if you're born again, I don't care who you are. This is the day. And I'm waiting I know I've totally ruined the schedule of worship of the service. I don't care. I'm waiting for you. I'm totally content and totally fine if there's nobody here who needs to be born again or people who are struggling. Because the next group of of people that I would say is you have been born again, 
but you've not been baptized in water or you know you need to be baptized in water again, but you've been fearful or whatever, been procrastinating, and you know you're supposed to be baptized just like these were to unlock and activate the purpose of God in your life, but you've not followed through. You've not said yes. If that's you, come stand right up here. love your courage just stay right there yeah come stay right here yeah even from upstairs come come down yeah and this is not the time to go to the bathroom I'll get you dunked so all those being baptized I want you to um, yeah y'all just stay right here you gotta stay on this side now, if you're here and you've been saved and baptized in water, but you know you need to be filled with God's power and filled with the Holy Spirit, and you know you need that next in your life, come stand right here. Jesus was standing in the Jordan River after he was baptized in water, praying. And as he was praying, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Yeah, come on up. And let me get a couple prayer team members to come behind. Were you coming up for the for the uh, water baptism or the bat for? Yeah, so go over on this side. Thank you so much. Let me get some prayer team people to come stand behind them. And you, I'll even let you go in a group in a minute and, and take them and talk with them. And let me get another per, another group to come talk with these. And then how many of you would say, I'm walking in all these realities but I've not been being led by the Spirit. I'm not going to have you come up here. I want you to stand to your feet where you're at. I've not been being led by the Holy Spirit. Just stand to your feet where you're at. Like the problem's not on God's side. The problem's on my side. I've not been led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not following His lead actively in my life. No matter who you are, just stand where you're at. I love the courage. I love the courage. So here's what I want to do. We're going to go into this time of worship. <laughs> it's just like the heart of Jesus. It's just like the heart of Jesus. I'm telling you, I had a sense this whisper in me. Because I wasn't planning to do this. I just sense this whisper in me. From the Lord of ask one more time. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, come. 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 If you come to me after the service, and say, Pastor John, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to say, too late. You got to talk to somebody else. Come. So those who are standing up, as we begin to worship, let me have some people just go gather around them and just start praying over them. Two or three people around them and just start praying. Pray that they would have uh, just ears to hear, eyes to see, that they would 
Take courage to begin to follow the Holy Spirit. Just pray and minister to them. Those who are right here, this is what I would like to happen. Prayer team, if you could take them out in the, in the lobby and begin to you know, pray with them. And those who are right here, just start talking to them, minister to them. If you can't hear, you can go out into the lobby too. And church family, let's all stand up. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for all that you're doing in our life. And we've come to worship you. We've come to worship you. And we pray that you would just minister to and through your people in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.